Employee of the Month. Here's your host, Katie Lazarus. Welcome to Employee of the Month. I'm your host, Katie Lazarus. And in this episode, I sat down with Justin Sayre, who I think is one of the funniest people I've ever met in my entire life. Um, he does this fabulous show called The Meeting at Joe's Pub every month in New York, but he's actually living in Los Angeles where he has a play coming up and also writes for Two Broke Girls. It was a thrill to speak with him at Joe's Pub backstage before he was performing. Here's an interview and you'll see why I just think he's Justin. Yes. I'm so excited to be interviewing you. I'm, I'm very excited to be here. Um, so wait, you're now bicoastal. Tell me about yes. the differences between L.A. and New York. No, don't tell me that. But tell me what you love about New York and what you love about L.A. I love, well, in New York, I love um, that people are so accessible to you, whether you like it or not. <laughs> but in New York, I mean, I'm here for two or three days and I fly back. To do your show? To do my my show. At Joe's Pub, The Meeting of Sodomites. Yes. The International Order of Sodomites. Indeed. The Meeting. Do you go by The Meeting or do you go the by... Meeting. The Meeting. We call it The Meeting. And then the asterisk, which nobody knows what it is, is because it's of the International Order of Sodomites. It's a little hidden thing. So we wouldn't have to put Sodomites on everything and my mother could be vain pride in me, you know. She might think that you're very religious all of a sudden. Well, she wouldn't. <laughs> she knows too well. She knows too well. <laughs> There's been too many argumentative thanksgivings for that even to cross her mind. So, um, but in New York, like I'm here for two or three days. I can see everybody. I'm, what are you doing for lunch? We'll go have lunch. It's easy. In L.A., I know people who live two blocks away. We're still waiting to have lunch. Yeah. It's crazy. What are you doing tonight? I, I can't leave the house. I just, <laughs> I can't. I'm, you know... I, I have to just, I have to have a facial or I'm going to yoga and that's all I can comprehend today. I can't see people or interact with other humans. I need to stay in my car and hope for the best. It's very shocking. But you enjoy it. I do because Los Angeles is a nicer life. New York's hard on you. Yeah. It's hard and it's only getting harder. I mean, in LA, you you kind of go through your day and there's a concentration on having a quality of life that you just couldn't even comprehend in New York. But also your quality of life is nicer there because you're writing for a, a network TV show. Yes. Two Broke Girls. Yes, I am. And so were you the inspiration for the show? I feel as though often I was. I feel as though I was a busty upstart played by Camp Denning. Um, <laughs> I, uh, no, I, it's funny because writing all the poor jokes, I just kind of, like, oh, well, let me tell you how that actually happens. Yes. You can put some tang in spaghetti sauce and make it a vodka sauce and nobody will know. You know, like stupid things that I'm like, well, that doesn't really, food stamps take a little while. It's, you know, I have a lot of experience being very, very poor. Me too. And I loved that. I had no idea about tang, so I'm learning new things Oh, every look day. at us. We'll, <laughs> we'll survive. Don't worry about us. I don't even consider myself poor. I consider myself broke. And maybe it's part of the delusion, but it's also just I chose to be in a field that I love. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And so then that's why I look at it differently than like someone who is born into poverty and is, is unfortunately unable to get out. Oh, yeah. No, that's very true. I, I, I feel sim- I felt similarly. No, I feel I probably will feel again. Who knows what will happen? But um, you there's a difference when 
you are doing what you love and you know that this is the life. I always think of that line in The Godfather, at least this is the life we've chosen. <laughs> so when you don't have any money and you're like, I can't go out, to, I can't afford the subway ride there and back. Totally. Sorry. You wanted to be an artist and not get up and go to work at Starbucks tomorrow. So good luck to you. So now that you have a job, job, what yeah. is that like? It's, um, it's pressure in a different way than I thought it would be. It's not, it's not the pressure of being funny. It's not that. Well, I, you, you're so effortlessly uh, hilarious and at the same time so thoughtful in, in general yeah. that I, I'm glad that you're able to still feel funny even when the show isn't your voice. No, and that was one of the things I, I said right off the bat, because I, when I took the job, I thought, well, I could write this, but it's not, you know, it's, I'm part of a team, and I'm part of a, t- a wonderful team headed by Michael Patrick King, who's a genius and lovely. He did Sex in the City, for Sex people who don't city, know. and The Comeback. And The Comeback, which is, which is coming back. I know. <laughs> I'm in The Comeback. Are you kidding? I'm not kidding you. I have one line in The Comeback. What is your line? Uh, I play a queer blogger named Q, and I... Is it Q with a Q? Q with a Q. Not a K-U. Not a K-U. That was a smart touch on your part. That's good. Thanks. And uh, (laughs) Lisa Kudra, I play a queer blogger, and I'm face-painted. I'm in full kabuki makeup. And I ask Lisa Kudra why she's fabulous and why we should care. I love this. I'm sort of obsessed with her in real life because I think her husband's like a French psychiatrist or something. Yeah, she's a ge- she has a doctorate. She's like hugely intelligent. That may seem like a genius to you, but as someone who dropped out of her doctorate, it doesn't take that much all right. of the time to get As someone <laughs> who almost dropped out of com- just regular college, that yes. seems like an accomplishment. But she's very smart and lovely. Beyond words lovely. Yes. So nice. And so insanely talented. I love, yeah, and also because I think people deceptively thought because she was playing this character on Friends that she wasn't bright. It was like, no, she's such a good actor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she is perfecting oh, even what watching the, on. Watching the comeback, which I loved when they did it nine years ago and now watching the new episodes, I know that it's all scripted. She doesn't... Every um, every chore, like they meticulously plan, hmm. and she's just that good. Hmm. Now I haven't planned any of my. I know. Ums. I, I mm, uh, yeah, I'm all over. What the is place. that like writing for a scripted show too? Now, because I imagine that some of your act is improvised if you're on stage yeah. and you need to make some changes on the go. Um, I do. Uh, I think with a scripted show, it's you kind of improv in the room a little bit. So we kind of just bounce jokes around in the room and then they get written down. Does but, Morgan Murphy still write for the show? Oh yeah, Morgan's still she's there. So and funny. She's hilarious. And Pat Walsh is there and Liz Astroff, uh, Michelle Nader, Charlie Brockmiller. It's, it's, a, it's a really great team. Karen Kilgariff is there now. So it's wonderful. It's mainly comedy, real comedy writers. Oh yeah. yeah. I didn't mean, jokes. as opposed to fake. There, there are no... no. <laughs> No, it's no, you know, there's no kind of, no. I could never tell, it, I'm, I'm so want to break into that world on paper, but I, uh, I didn't know if it was all comedy writers or drama writers and comedy writers. No, it's all comedy writers. I mean, it is all comedy writers. Um, 
they come from different backgrounds. I mean, um, Morgan does stand, does and yeah. continues to do stand up, and uh, Pat Walsh does stand up, but really kind of transitioned into mostly writing wrote for uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and wow. it's all over the place, and and then kind of. Charlie, who's another staff writer with me, uh, he was the writer's assistant and just kind of grew with the show. So He's taller now. He's taller now. Yeah. They gave him a lot of vitamins. But showing up at the same place every day, mm-hmm. um, having, I mean, it is still a, a job. It's a job. Oh, yeah. it's a job. It's a job. I have an office. It's a very serious job. And it, it's, I find it, I mean, not through any fault of theirs, but, like, I'm stressed out about it all the time. Because, you know, the lovely thing about doing a show at Joe's Pub, it's like, and I've always said this to myself as a, (laughs) it sounds terrible to say it, but I've always been like, well, it's an hour and a half out of people's lives. Even if you bomb, they'll survive. Yes, yes. It's okay. Right. They went with you in this experience, and maybe they didn't get everything they needed, but that's all right. And it could be, have been the olives that they ordered for eight dollars. Absolutely, it's not your fault. Yeah. It's just it's one night. You got to do your best and see where the cards fall. You know, totally. But there's you know, with a scripted show, I mean, there's 150 people that probably work on all the aspects of this show, and they need it to do well. And a big part of that is what you do in the room. I rudely interrupted. No, you're fine. Say that sentence again. I said, you know, there's 150, There's probably like 150 people who work on all the aspects of the show. And they need it to be good. They need it to work. And a primary part of where that works is in the room. So there's... So you're, uh, you're, other people are relying on you to show up. You have to show up for them. How did you get the job? Michael Patrick King saw a video of me doing something from the meeting, and he said I, he was I was very funny. It was the it was the one of one of your first of all all of your videos are funny, and if people are in New York or coming to New York or need to come to New York, you need to come to New York. You need to come see the meeting. It is life changing, and I'm I'm not oh. I'm not being no seriously. I mean, it really is life changing. Thank the, you so much. Your ability to vacillate between being so shrewd about what's going on in the world and then also make it fun and inclusive is incredible without ever, ever pandering. Right now, people might think I'm pandering. I'm not. (laughs) I'm just excited. Yeah. (laughs) Because there was no sense that you were ever um, speaking to even the middle. You You were speaking to people who you saw as intelligent. Yeah. And who you assume have as good a sense of humor as you and assume are as smart as you without their PhDs, maybe. Absolutely. Um, but also, it's just so much freaking fun. So I, I really, really am going to just say again to please check out the meeting Thank at Joe's Pub. Thank you so much. Well, and, and that's, I like that. I like that you kind of don't, I don't know. I, I think there's, I always like comics that make me think about things in a different way. Like, I think Louis C.K. is doing that. So, I mean, he's the biggest example. But, you know, everybody's... Some of the great comics did You that. just named, like, the one comedian that, like, 
even my dad would probably like me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. But he says such He's, great absolutely. things. Absolutely. But at the same time, I think somebody like Joan Rivers made you look at things in a really different way. Can we talk about that for a second? Please. Let's talk about her. Let's at, talk about her all the time. The last time I saw Joan was at A Night of a Thousand Judies. Yes. Which is this beautiful, beautiful event you do every year, I believe. Yeah. Um, for LGBT uh, homeless teenagers and mm-hmm. youth. And I'm particularly struck by it because, first of all, it's a, also a wonderful event that people can give to, even if they're not. Where should they go if they want to just uh, give they'll money? They'll go to the Alley Fournay Center. So all the funds go to the Alley Fournay Center, which is a place that houses homeless LGBT kids in New York. I was so happy you did it because there's so many good things that have happened legally on paper. Uh-huh. But I think that there's also a chance for people to forget. <laughs> oh, absolutely. About, about the zillion other things that are still occurring all the time and oh yeah so it's really happy that you you shine light on you know the fact (laughs) oh yeah and that was a really that was a really conscious thing because i didn't ever want to do anything for like oh we're going to get marriage equality or anything i never wanted to touch that because i thought all right that's a that's a great issue and an issue that's important but it's it's one that's going to get a lot of attention and then it's going to happen, and then it's going to be done. It was very politically savvy, though, to focus on the military and marriage, because at first I was like, oh, yeah. What? And then, you know, and now I realize, like, it was a very savvy oh, way absolutely. To, to, to make something that was seen as unacceptable acceptable. Yeah, but the problem, the problem that goes forward with that is that uh, those things lose steam and people think they're done. Totally. And that's what happened with the civil rights movement. Oh, absolutely. It happened with the women's movement. Well, that's always been a back burner. Yeah. Which I love that you also talked about sexism um, from from the gays. Because, like, I I write for out. I, you know, am part of a rare breed, I feel like, where I go between the two. But my gay friends who are female and my gay friends who are male, they don't intersect. Oh, no. No. And it's weird. It's becoming different, I think, in the younger Gen, like the queer kids, yeah, they they don't care. They love it. I, they've not been struggled with anything except no. just trying to figure out how to get Instagram up at the same time as their I Twitter. <laughs> Aren't you glad we lived in a world where things were real? <laughs> I was thinking no, about that. I would trade it for the. Would you really? <laughs> oh, see, no. I I think I was sitting talking to someone and they were talking about. I went on this and I went on this and I posted this and I blah blah blah. I thought, none of these things are real. No, at all. You did nothing today. No I know struggle. you felt like you did a lot, <laughs> but you, you just twittered. You typed for a little bit. You didn't do shit. It is, it is amazing what one person's sojourn is and what oh. others is. Wait, so I wanted to go back to A Night of a Thousand Judies. Yes, yes, yes. So at A Night of a Thousand Judies is this phenomenal performance. It's just a spectacular evening, and Joan Rivers is in the audience, and... First of all, she was, like, riveted watching. Yeah. And then if she's not happy, she shows it to <laughs> Like, I love that you can, oh, like, yeah. you get your notes from her in a way oh, that absolutely. Chaz Isherwood waits until it's in the paper. Yeah. You know, I love that she just gives it right away. She had so much fun. And then during intermission, she went and talked to the executive director of the nonprofit for, like, 20 minutes oh, or yeah. something. Oh, yeah. And gave him her card and was like, anything you need, I want to help. She's completely transfixed by what he's doing. Oh, yeah. She, I was a big admirer of hers forever. 
before the before the documentary because a lot of people started to get to know her from that documentary. Yeah, I always thought she was great. I thought, you know, I got why she was mean. You know, I got it. I got what she was doing. But there was something about her that whenever I would hear people talk about her, it was always she took care of people. She was like the mama bear of comedy. And she always wanted to help kids out. And, and But they, she's a complex person. She's also a Republican. Oh, yeah. She, I mean, yeah. I don't know how many young female comedians she helped until she needed their help writing for her. Yeah. I mean, she... I think there's a tough thing... It's, it's weird to watch because I, I, I always get weirded out when big celebrities are Republicans. So I'm like, what? You never struggled? And she did struggle. That's why oh, it's confusing. Oh, forever. That's why it's so confusing. And she's Jewish, so... Oh, yeah. It's very <laughs> really, confusing to me. Yeah. And she loves the gays, but she, you know, it was a total financial thing. Yes. And... Because she does donate to all these oh, things. Oh, yeah. It is. So it, it was it, just fine. And I think that... And maybe God's love we deliver, she gives to. Oh, yeah. yeah. But I think it was a weird thing of, like, you get into this insular place where you think, I did, it's all generated from me. And what was interesting watching, knowing that about her, watching the documentary, I was like, oh, and look what it leads to. You're nuts. I mean, that documentary scared the hell out of me, scared that right out of me. Because I thought, I don't want to be 75 years old and looking at my planner and saying, nobody wants me. Nobody loves me. I'm all alone. I'm going to die here. And I'm like... Now, that is a trait of particular super successful people. If you could say, oh, like, yeah. like, there are, like, five different ways to describe these sort of, like, completely ambitious on a level that I wish I was. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, gosh, that seems so lonely and sad. Yeah. There's, that's a particular trait. Because I remember I sat next to Nick Bulletary, this tennis coach on an airplane. He's in coach, and he, like, brings out his calendar to show me how busy he is and i'm mm-hmm. like i technically don't know your last name yet he hadn't told me yeah. that until <laughs> we, were, we were taking off but it was like it was definitely she has that that ambition oh yeah do you feel like do you feel that you have a set level of ambition like what would be your ideal right now you have a hit show at joe's pub you have a spoken word album that's dropping yeah and you have um a phenomenal day job writing for a television mm-hmm. show what would be your dream? Uh, well, I also, I have, a, I have a book deal at Penguin. Oh, nice. Um, uh, so the first book of that. I just, for people who don't know, Penguin is a publisher as opposed to with a particular Penguin. Yeah, that would be funny, though. A zine. <laughs> Waddles. Um, <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> I have a book deal. Uh, I write plays, and I'm doing a reading of uh, a new play in... Uh, Los Angeles in is this that, month. Is that the one about Ethel Eichenberg? Ethel uh, uh, Eichenberger. Ethel Eichelberger. Eichelberger. Uh, she's a. She was a. He was a performance artist here in New York. That's going to go up in the fall of 2015. Okay. At La Mama. Okay. Um, this is a different play you're doing in yes, Los Angeles. This is a different play. Um, so I think for me, I always want to be generating work and like making things. So a lot of fire in the balls. Oh, absolutely. A lot of fire (laughs) in the balls. I'm endlessly ambitious, and I always want to be making things and putting things out there. Is that the phrase, fires in the balls? I'll take it. Okay. It sounds like a venereal problem, but we've all been there. Fire in the balls. I got a little fire in the balls. 
I'm terrible. How do you balance doing everything? I don't know that I do. <laughs> um, I I answer emails very late or not at all, which is terrible. <laughs> um, I am. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how. I don't know. I but just, you make time for the important thing, which is writing and performing. Yeah. I mean, not answering emails. You can get an assistant. Well, but but that's all important to make it all run too. Do you know what I mean? Like within the meeting, and I say this really gently, not even uh, with a hint of hesitation, but, uh, you know, uh, the meeting's produced by Dan Fortune and Adam Rose. Who is, he's a phenomenal DJ. Yes. Slash publicist. Wonderful. Slash producer. Absolutely. He also um, helps to produce A Night of a Thousand Judies with you as well. And, uh, and, you know, he's also not in the room right now. I don't want anyone to think that we're no. Just we wouldn't answer to, to him if he was right <laughs> no. here. But you know, like we all work together, and we need to work together to make it happen. So I, I, you know, yeah, you cannot respond to an email, but you have to, you have to make sure the machine all runs, and you're a part of it. But you're a, you're one part of it. You can't kind of take all that on. But that's the other hard part. I found like a that's just part for the course in this era now, mm-hmm. but I would just say as a, I came in as a, I br- dropped out of my PhD in clinical psych and started performing and I really just wanted to write and yeah. now I love interviewing people. Yeah. But I did not have any, any, any experience or interest in the managerial aspects. And yeah. the fact is, is that they are a par for the course that you oh, need to yeah. manage yourself and manage people who are oh, working with you, even when you're collaborating. And what you're saying about not answering the emails, I take back what I was saying before because it is so true. You need to oh, be yeah. able to be you need so to be organized. Present. You need to be really present. And if you're not, it, it's not good for anybody. Do you feel emotionally present right now? Right now? Yes. Okay, uh, in my uh, life, not all. <laughs> it's hard. I have a very tough emotional life. So I have this apartment in Los Angeles and I bought Where all these it? pictures in Los Feliz. I was laughing with a friend of mine because I would I was so hesitant to buy a couch. I thought, oh, it's just such a commitment and I don't where am I gonna find a couch that I like? And I mean everything. Meanwhile, my apartment is covered ceiling to floor in pictures and I have a huge six foot picture of Elizabeth Taylor in my foyer. Who's your who's your who's, middle name is, yes, is it's Elizabeth. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, all that. My walls are covered. I have nothing to sit on, but you can stare up at, you know, a watercolor of Edie Beale and just sit on the floor. Can I just tell you, when I saw Big Edie and Little Edie, I was, it helped me understand my mom. <sighs> so I'm the only one who, like, walked out of that movie being like, oh, my God, someone else experiences this, too. <laughs> <laughs> like, everyone else was, like, properly disturbed. Oh, yeah. And were, like, calling their parents to oh, be yeah. like, Thank you. Thank and you. I like called and I was like, Mom, there's a movie it. about us. Like, <laughs> Isn't that terrible? Yeah. But true. Yeah. But true. <laughs> but true. So yeah. you might even move full time too? I don't think I'll ever be full time in one or the other. I think uh, I think I, I like this speed right now. And I like New York um, because I know it and I know what I want out of it. But, you know, New York is really hard. It's so hard. And I hate what, what's, what's hot, what's... What in particular is hard for you, though? Well, what's hard for me is I see this kind of constant death of everything I liked about New York. 
In terms of what? In terms of all those small places that you wanted to go, all those cool, like, like I've seen, I've been here for almost 15 years. I've seen CBGB's go. I've seen Rose's turn go. I've seen... Bowery Poetry Club. Bowery, yes, I've seen one after another of these iconic places that were the reason I moved to New York just disappear and get replaced by a Chase Bank or a Dwayne Reed. And I watched really talented people come and expect it to be, you know, we all expected to be on the town, 1947, and we're going to... Not all of us, but yes. But I I, I expected at least the 60s of parents, friends who were teachers but still were able to live in New York comfortably and raise their kids. and And that's gone. And there doesn't seem to be a net. There doesn't seem to be a bottom where it's like, oh, we're not going to let all this go. Like, I'm getting very involved in the Players Club. Oh, nice. The Gramercy Park. And you can stay there, too. Oh, yeah. Which, and they've been around for a hundred and something years, and they're in constant threat that they might have to sell that building. I just want to give a preface to people who don't know. The Players Club is both, I believe, in London and in New York. Well, there's a, the Garrett Club in okay. London, and then the Players Club was started in 1880-something. I'm by, showing my non-white male privilege by not knowing <laughs> the specific clubs that I am not allowed in. You're allowed in. You're yeah, allowed now in. I now you in. are. Now you in. are. Yeah. Not, I'm sort of past arm candy. I don't know what I would be. Oh, you're... Arm flowers. No. You're a <laughs> wonderful corsage of lollipops and roses. All right, I got to get my Jean note perfume out. Please. Um, <laughs> Tell me about uh, your spoken word poetry album. It's, I yeah. assume it's like bell hooks is what you're doing. Oh, very deep. Very deep. It's a little weird because when we do do that self-examining with the, the hand mirror, uh, there's silence on the album. No, it's a comedy album. It's a comedy album, kind of a greatest hits from the meeting. So it's all kind of routines and things that we've done here at the meeting at Joe's Pub and 54 Below. And they're all just... For you to spin in your living room when your parents aren't listening. Isn't that what people used to do with comedy albums? I assume. I thought they would listen with their parents. Oh, really? See, maybe I, just to Bill Cosby. Maybe a nice... Oh. Bill My Cosby. parents introduced me to great music and great oh, comedy. Really? Well, they introduced me... I mean, I wouldn't... They introduced me to Woody Allen, and the story ends okay on my, for me. You yeah. Know? <laughs> <laughs> um, and Groucho Marx. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah, they, they really did. Yeah. yeah, in terms of arts and culture, they absolutely they did right like fed and nourished oh, that's that. That's good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah. So you come back every month to do mm-hmm. the meeting. Yeah, and then you have this play in Los Angeles. Where is that going up? The Bootleg Theater in Los Angeles. It's incredible. And then you also have a play coming up soon at La Mama in the fall. In the fall. Okay. La Mama. And that's enough for right now until we have yeah. a talk show. Until we have a talk show. In addition to writing for. A very successful, probably one of the most successful um, it's a big comedies. One. Yeah, it's a big one. They do all right. Those uh, two broke girls. Those two broke girls are anything but. Bro- I love the image of broke though. That apartment. Mm-hmm. It's really nice. Yeah. I want to be that broke one day. <laughs> I have. I will tell you this. I have gone through that apartment and literally photographed things and bought them on eBay later because I'm like, I just love this apartment. This doesn't seem so bad. If I was broke like this. This would be great. It would be the right but way. Then you would think. Different. Then you would reconsider New York, maybe. Oh yeah. But I agree with you that even if one was so wealthy and could afford to live in New York comfortably, it's still the sadness to see that it's a shopping mall. Oh yeah. 
And I think something, you lose something really intrinsic about, like, there's no working neighborhoods anymore. I think there's something bad about that. Working class or working functioning? Working class. And I think where people live and work. Oh, that's fascinating. Because I mean, I live in Crown Heights and I would say it's definitely working class. Although none of us can afford browns. The brownstones are like $2 million. Oh, sure. But you work somewhere else. And I work somewhere else. Although my neighbors downstairs, they're in uh, pharmaceutical sales. Yeah. Uh, so they just get that trolley out <laughs> and walk around. They just sell drugs left yeah. and right. Yeah. That's nice. It's nice. I can't tell whether they're in high school and college, but they certainly are entrepreneurs. <laughs> So they do work from home, but uh, outside of them. <laughs> yeah. Well, and we work from home. You work yes. at home. Yes. You ride at home. Yes. Yeah. Which is a nightmare. Yes, absolutely. Because you never leave. No, I never do you do leave. that? No. Oh, I never leave. I either leave or, uh, I'm sorry, I'm either at home or performing. Oh, yeah. Or going to see a friend show. Oh, yeah. Or a movie and that's it. Yeah. No, I know. I use, uh, There are days, even in Los Angeles, where I'm like, I, I haven't left this apartment in two days. Yeah, but you know what? I have to say, you have gotten a lot of vitamin D. Your skin looks great. Oh, um, I'm going to let you get ready for your show. I have to go perform at UCB. I really just want to stress again that people should please check out A Night of a Thousand Judies, which is a phenomenal benefit. And where, again, can they give if they just want to give? It's at the AliFournayCenter.org. They can go to AliFournay.org. Check it out. Find out how you can get involved. The meeting is such a fun show. Please come to Joe's Pub and see it. And also, check out... Your podcast. What is your podcast? It's titled? called Sparkle and Circulate. You can look it up on the iTunes. Okay. The iTunes. An 80-year-old woman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Two Broke Girls, I think they'll know where to find that. Yeah. CBS. Yeah. CBS. That's like your new home. Me and Lucy. You went from CBGBs to I CBS. Did. I did. You have gone uh, half circle. <laughs> I think if Patti Smith can sing for the Pope. It's all up from here. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so, so much, Justin. And I can't wait to have you back on the show. Absolutely. This is a, a privilege. I'm very excited about being the employee of the month. Good. It meant a lot. Oh, that makes me happy. Thanks. Okay. That's it for this episode of Employee of the Month. Thank you so much to Ian Mazoff for editing this together. Thanks to all of you. Please go to the website, employeeofthemonthshow.com, to get on the mailing list and donate. And you can also subscribe on iTunes as well as brush your teeth twice a day and floss. There's really nothing else I think you're supposed to do. And that's honestly basically it. Maybe work. Maybe. I'll talk to you soon. <laughs>